Welcome to the Whole Indie Show, your home for your weekly slice of indie goodness. So it's natural that I ask myself, is this a risk I'm willing to take? And the answer, absolutely. If you know something about me, you know that I am trying to change the wave of the future. Jesus, wants to change? We need to pay the Innocence, once lost, can never be regained. Darkness, once gazed upon, can never be lost. All things truly wicked start from innocence. Because I want to see you, see me, smash your Come and play. What I want is Brian Danielson's head on a stick. This is my challenge to everybody on the independent scene, and that's to fly. Thrive to be the best in the world. With your hosts, Sandro Latelpa. And Ashley Richardson. Welcome everybody to yeah the uh, start of it was something in September now it's gimmick October or something I don't know this is the whole indie show I am Ashley of course and joining me as ever uh, my co-host Sandro and um, yeah I, I, a, su- a surprise has come for this weekend's upcoming shows as in somebody's providing something for free <laughs> which we'll get to I guess. Man, what a interesting week. <laughs> uh, not only in independent wrestling, but also with, uh, uh, I guess, IWC in general. I don't want to go on the tirade too much, but the... the <laughs> oh, you know what? Fuck it. I don't care if anybody gets mad. Um, some of the people at on the SNS Facebook page with their comments on the mainstream product I read them and I'm like dude seriously it's like come on it's fucking it's fucking ridiculous it really is (laughs) yeah I have no clue what's going on you see I've been away in London, eating food and also playing video games. But you know, oh yeah, how was the convention? It was pretty damn incredible. I believe you had a opportunity to try out the 2K15 game, the WWE game. Yeah, so I'll give my full thoughts on on uh, special sticks and flicks. But in essence, there's a lot of good potential there. Whether it's properly executed by the time it comes out to next gen, we'll see. Now, obviously it was just a demo, correct? Yeah, it was the same demo that was shown off in Germany. So there wasn't anything new or fancy to it. There was no, oh look, here are the NXT stars. Because that didn't get announced until Tuesday. (laughs) So, Right. Okay, interesting. Now this is some, 
I didn't know about this until um, probably when I came back on Sunday night. And then I immediately went, what the hell is going on? So the first news story is Global Force Wrestling, but it isn't. Because PW Insider has confirmed with multiple sources in the pay-per-view industry that a Global Force Wrestling pay-per-view event is on the schedules of all the all major carriers, apparently, for January the 4th, 2015. And January the 4th is memorable every year for one thing. That is always when Wrestle Kingdom happens for New Japan. Which would imply that through Global Force Wrestling, the US is finally going to get to see New Japan on their televisions for the first time prop well first time certainly in pay-per-view form surely yeah this is a uh, really really interesting uh when i first read the actual news that came out i was uh very surprised and wondering how well here's the thing here's the thing that kind of doesn't really concern me, but the thing is that Jeff Jarrett saying it's going to be a global force pay-per-view, you know, GFW pay-per-view. But in reality, it's really a Japan pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. And I'm not really sure if New Japan is willing to put like GFW logos with at ringside, <laughs> which I highly doubt. But it is going to be good have a new japan pay-per-view shown here in the u.s unless what they do instead is only have it like in a few places on the aprons but just have the graphics that are shown with probably western commentary <clears throat> yeah and of course uh that was a rumor uh, a couple of weeks back where uh new japan was thinking of having an English commentary team for the Tokyo Dome show. Now, the thing that I'm, I could have a problem with is Jeff Jarrett saying that it's his show, even though it's yeah. not. That's the problem that I I have with this situation. If that were to happen, and. <laughs> It's going to be really strange because if they're promoting this as a global force, you know, wrestling show, how is that? Like, is this going to be what the company's going to be about? Is the whole concept of this promotion is, okay, we're not really going to run shows in the U.S., so instead we're just going to show you shows from other con- from other promotions and just label them as GFW shows. <laughs> That's the thing that's concerning me, especially that he's now making deals with various other promotions around the world. Is that the whole point of this? I honestly hope not, because if it is, I don't know if I'm really into that concept. 
Global Force Wrestling is actually just a pay-per-view mediator. Yeah. Letting, you know, some of the big shows from around globally getting shown in America and bringing awareness to that product. Which could be positive, but also could be very negative in terms of, you know, if it's very niche and gets picked up and put on pay-per-view, it's going to be sort of, you know, lost in essence. But I guess if these pay-per-view providers are desperate to have something to fill their schedules for the months that TNA isn't there now, I guess they're going to be wanting um, people. Now, I think that's why Ring of Honor has got the chance to have its pay-per-views. Because the providers don't have to um, do monthly TNA stuff. They're sort of losing the revenue. Then again, everything's losing revenue in terms of pay-per-view because of the rise and rise of digital streaming. How look at the WWE Network. That all but has killed off pay-per-views. Especially with it debuting oh, it's this week or next week in the UK. <coughs> but yeah. Um, speaking with the... Sticking with the network, because it's indie-related. Prince Devitt, a.k.a. Finn Balor, made his debut. And apparently he's uh, donning the paint. <clears throat> and I immediately approve of this. <laughs> I didn't think they'd actually let him do the paint gimmick thing. But Are, are you talking about with it's like a promotional picture and there's like uh, somebody added like wings, black wings? No, he's actually covered in paint on his body. Well, what's the the paint of exactly? It's white. Is the one with the, um, the Spider Man logo in the middle? Possibly, I'm not sure. Uh, I don't think that's. No, I think that's an old picture because mm. I I remember he used that in one of the UK shows he did not that long ago. Mm. Certainly, it looks like he's well. This is spoilers for those of you that don't want to know the TNA stuff, but him teaming up with Kojima slash Kenta arguably makes sense because I said this. I don't don't remember whether anybody actually responded to this comment because I posted it on um, Facebook. The reason why you've got, let's call them by their indie names, Prince Devitt and Kenta, the reason why they're paired together and then going up against the Ascension is because Japan just got the network. And they are arguably the two biggest names <clears throat> in Japan that are with WWE. I would say, you know, given that I don't know how much of a following Brian Danielson has in Japan or Cesaro. Or any of these other names. You know, Kenta and Devitt, even this year, wrestled in Japan. I think. Certainly, Kenta had a few shows for um, Noah earlier this year. And Devitt had his last few matches 
going up to, I think, was it March? March or April time for New Japan? Yeah. <clears throat> so they're fresh in the mind of a Japanese audience. So when they show up, the Japanese people are going to be interested. I think that's the reason why they're being paired together. It's not some like, oh, you know, here's the Irishman and here's the Japanese guy. As if it's going to be some sort of crazy sort of wacky tag team. It's just to get the network over to the Japanese market, I would say. Well, first off, it's uh, Itami, not Kojima. Uh, oh, that's it, Hideo, isn't it? Yeah, Hideo Itami. Oh, I got the wrong name. Damn you, Metal Gear Solid. Um, I, I said this, uh, well, I said this on the SNS page, that I think it would probably be a good idea if they used the face paint for the big the big shows, for the specials, instead of just using it week after week, because I think it just, it's going to get... It's gonna get a bit repetitive, and I'm not sure how many cosplays he can, how many paintings of whatever he wants to do, he can make, make of because it's gonna get repetitive eventually. So I think it would probably be better if he saves it for the big shows. Now I know, obviously, we didn't discuss, we didn't discuss this because it came out like a Thursday when they revealed his name. But holy shit! The the entire uproar that the IWC <laughs> spewed when they found out what his name would be, Jesus Christ! It's 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 really ridiculous. <clears throat> and obviously nobody understood why that name was chosen. And of course, Finn <laughs> had to explain it himself. Finn is a common name in Ireland, and uh, Balor. Uh, if I if, if I think that's the actual pronunciation, uh, it's supposed to be a uh, some sort of a mythical creature, if I'm not mistaken, of sorts. And that's what he decided to to use. And by that standard, I, you know, I understand why he wanted to make that decision. And I know there were some drawings uh, for Bilar. Obviously, because of Finn, uh, for those that live in the U.S., is a so it's popular because of a certain cartoon called Adventure Time, and the main character his name is Finn. So they pretty much draw that character and made him dressed as Finn Ballard, which was pretty funny. I saw a couple of uh, pictures on social media. Yeah, but with respect to that, remember how many people hated Sami Zayn? And about four months afterwards, they went, who gives a shit? It's the guy that was El Generico. He's a good wrestler. <laughs> and there, there was something I wanted uh, to mention uh, today about this whole name situation. It was, uh, I, I heard it on, from the guys from The Law that, that came out this week, or today actually, recording, like, uh, review away. They had mentioned that, let's say, for example, if uh, Sami Zayn wrestled in the independence as Sami Zayn and he was signed to WWE and instead of letting him wrestle as Sami Zayn, WWE decides, okay, we're going to put you under a mask and we're going to call you El Generico. The IWC will, 
will pretty much react the same way as saying, why would they put him under a mask? Why would they give him that name? That's terrible. It's pretty much going to be the same situation. You know, people are just going to complain to complain. That's just the the reality of it. Uh, I was a bit baffled by the name at first, but as I said, once he explained the meaning of the name, then I understood. I was like, okay. I mean, at the end of the day, we're going to get used to it regardless, and everybody's going to have to, as Batista would say, deal with it. <laughs> that's the reality of it. We did mention cosplay as well. Yes. And um, this is a keynote, because... Woo. I don't know if it was a dark match or whether it's actually no, going to be a full. No, this will air on the network. Um, who was she facing? Uh, she fought Carmella. Okay, Carmella. Yeah. Carmella took on some little-known <clears throat> female talent by the name of Lever Bates. Yes, sir. <clears throat> so. I mean, Lever was obviously available because she's in the Florida area and obviously it's all taped at full sale, so it makes sense. And I'm just... That actually means, of course, though, that within 12 months, Lever has appeared in both companies. Was it really that long? I think it's 12 months. I know she, I know she appeared on TNA, but I don't remember exactly when. She was one of the aces and eights at some point. Yeah, she, she maced uh, Hogan, <laughs> which is funny. <laughs> I don't think it was... A, it, might, it might be 18 months then. That was the best bit, though. That's the best moment of Lever Bates' career. Macing Hulk Hogan. That's... That should be on the honor roll. <laughs> Uh, I was really surprised <laughs> when I read that she's at the NXT tapings. I'm like, wow. Now, obviously, let's, let's not jump to conclusions here. I mean, it was just for one match. And obviously, it, it was just for, you know, just for a match, just for her to lose. The same situation that happened with uh, Santana Garrett several months back when she did the same thing. Yeah. So <laughs> we don't know if uh, the people at... WWE is interest in signing Leva to a contract, but uh, I mean, you never know. It could happen, and if not, well, hey, she at least she, at least she had the opportunity to have a match on television. So this is a note to everybody listening: when she appears on NXT, that moment on that week, tweet about it like crazy. And if I'm the hashtag, we want Leva. <laughs> and if I'm not mistaken, that. Uh, the show that she'll be be on, that will air on October 16th. There you go. So that's not this coming Thursday, the 9th, but the week after. So there you go. Hashtag we want Lever. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Make it happen, people. But I'm def- Hashtag we want Lever. But I'm definitely very happy to see her again in this opportunity. Yeah. Uh, some AAW news, which is, I, w- I wouldn't say surprising, but probably long overdue. Um, 
The matchmaker at AAW, Tony Regan, has announced that Elgin will be at the Jawbreaker show in a couple of weeks on the 17th of October. Now, this is this is obviously earlier than the three months that was listed, but I think the fact is because he has a property in America, I'm pretty sure they can't really stop him. I'd, I'd have thought. <clears throat> I don't know all the legal ramifications of this, but I think... Well, perhaps as long as he makes an appearance but doesn't actually wrestle. Well... They might be able to get that round that or something. I don't know. Well, obviously I'm jumping ahead, but in this week's previews, he's <laughs> listed on this weekend's St. Louis Anarchy Anarchy show. Uh, that's happening on Friday. Now, um, somebody asked if that's true and if, if he fixed his legal situation. And uh, out of everybody, uh, Pierre Appanathy confirmed that he will be there. Now, this morning, Elgin posted <laughs> saying the following. Once again, I am not back in the U.S. as of yet. And obviously people were wondering, is the AAW news not true then? And he really didn't answer that question. And he hasn't mentioned anything as a recording, so... I don't know if that, if he will show up. I know the day after uh, Tony Rican announced it on his Twitter, uh, AAW's social media then confirmed it that he will be at the show. So whether or not he will be a part of it, I guess it remains to be seen. But I mean, we'll see what happens. As I said, he's been announced for the St. Louis Anarchy show happening this weekend. We'll see what happens, but. <laughs> Uh, I mean, we'll see what happens. I'm very intrigued. Yeah. Uh, in relation to visa issues, moving into our next story, um, PW Insiders reporting that the <clears throat> visa issues have now been taken care of regarding Dragon Gate USA, or should I say Dragon Gate talent coming to Dragon Gate USA. Uh, basically... They're trying to now check that the, there's certainly dates that don't conflict now with Dragon Gate Japan shows. Well, as I said, uh, that news was mentioned for <coughs> December. And looking at the iHeartDG website for the schedules, uh, last time I said it was two shows. As of now, it's updated to three shows for December. So my guess is we'll have to wait until at some point at the end of this month or next month to see what happens with the Japanese touring schedule for December. So we'll see. I'm a bit confused, though, because then the next post says about China. So a Dragon Gate Japan actually going around China? No, uh, that is actually Gabe. 
and uh, oh. Evolve brand is going to China. <clears throat> I forgot to mention this last <clears throat> week because okay. I, I didn't have the entire information. This is a bit... <laughs> Evolve is going international. Yes. Wow. Uh, I don't recall if it's exactly Evolve or, or Dragon Gate USA, but I'm pretty sure it's Evolve. Um, yeah, so apparently they were invited for an expo in uh, China. I-, I think it might be the same expo that uh, WWE was a part of about two years ago in China. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they were invited, and uh, Gabe and uh, the WWN uh, took the opportunity and accepted this offer. And they will be heading to China for mid-November. Uh, I don't know the exact date uh, for those shows, but uh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe they might be going for three shows, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I have the information. Uh, they're going to be in, in China from November 10th through the 16th. And it, oh, for a whole week, right. And it will be the Evolve brand. Right. Um, they're going to have four shows in China. Uh, just looking at it real quick. <clears throat> they haven't announced any talent so far, but they are very excited to be a part of this uh, big opportunity. Well, they sort of have announced one. Mm. Well, at least according to the rumors anyway, because um, Lacey from... Um... Well, she's been in quite a few Shimmer shows and Ring of Honor shows. Uh, she is out there studying. Yeah, she lives there. So apparently, she's going to be. Uh, she is going to be part of it. Yeah, and uh, there's probably a good chance that once they've done the shows, that they might air it over on the uh, WWN Live website for VOD. So you know that's. If that got more viewers than Bound for Glory, I clap. <laughs> well, that's great for everybody there. Um, hopefully, some of the big talents gets to go on this big tour because it's a it's a pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. So, Definitely. obviously, we'll hear something more about this in the upcoming weeks uh, before they head out in Asia. So, you know, good for everybody over at WWN. Definitely. Now. Um... In terms of some video stuff you should check out, uh, AIW has put out another set of promo tryouts, but this time with a difference. As uh, they're all calling out Tim Donst as champion. For hell on earth. Which is making me wonder whether somebody's getting a shot at the belt. Come actually hell on earth. Um, I don't think the students are getting a title shot not yet. Hey, that's a swerve. I think that might, if that happened, that would be awesome. Because some of those promos are pretty good. Other ones, well, maybe, namely that. Well, maybe, but are they good in the ring? Because that's the really important thing. Yeah, but I, I don't, we don't know the names of these people. But the guy who was smoking the cigarette that called him Tim Durst. You might want to check what the guy's name is called before you do a promo. <clears throat> I don't think Tim Dance is related to the lead singer of Limp Biscuit. 
just a little pointer. Uh, also, in terms of videos, uh, the Juicy Products have done a pretty... I don't know whether it's a shoot of a shoot or just a general shoot or both. Mainly against the Savages, but also sort of hating on FIP. Which... Can't blame them. <laughs> yeah. It made some fair points in the video. Other companies pay us more money. <clears throat> and we have their belts. So... Well, we have every right to. Uh, speaking of belts, uh, I'll get into that once we go to the results. <laughs> belts, belts, belts. Um, and also, uh, in terms of videos, check out the Candace and Jerry show because it was from the UK this past week. Apparently. <clears throat> if only I'd known. Uh, also, and this might not be up yet, but keep an eye out for it because we will post it when it's made available. Uh, PWG have tweeted out basically saying <clears throat> that the three nights of bowler are sort of ready to go, but due to the fact that there wasn't enough space to put it on the final DVD for night three. The farewell speech from Willie Mac wasn't able to make it on there. So instead, they're going to put up the full farewell speech on the uh, PWG YouTube page. So it will be on our Facebook page definitely when it comes up. Possibly later this week, possibly early next week. But uh, keep an eye out for that because I really want to see that. Because apparently that choked a lot of people up. Including Willie Mac himself. <clears throat> and then finally, in terms of news from me, um, Wrestling is Fun is the official home of the Young Lions Cup. Uh, two shows have been announced. <clears throat> uh, the first night will be on October the 11th in Haverhill, Massachusetts. And then November 1st in Norristown, Pennsylvania. And that'll be where the <clears throat> champion is crowned and everything. Uh, the participants have been revealed. Because I think it's only 12 people. Uh, it's going to be Shenron, Mark Quen, Race the Generator Jackson, Donovan Dijak, uh, Anthony Green, Missile Assault, and Argus. Rex Lawless from uh, New York. Is it New York Wrestling Cartel? Connection. Oh, Connection. There's so many different companies. That's the problem. New York Wrestling Connection. Uh, Kevin Quill, William Frederick Kingsley, Devin Blaze, and um, not X-Pac. <laughs> Prakash Shabar. <laughs> and so far confirmed... In terms of matches in the first round, we've got Argus versus Masala Sultan, Rex Lawless versus Anthony Green, and Mark Quen versus Race Jackson. Also uh, confirmed for non-tournament action will be Assyrian Portal versus Devastation Corporation on the first night, which is next week. Okay. Uh, tickets are available now if you go to the Wrestling is Fun website and everything. Obviously, we'll give a full sort of rundown of it next week. But, uh, yeah. I wondered where it was coming, and then 
you realised it couldn't really be part of the Chikara shows because of uh, capacity and everything, because of all the storyline they've already got going on. So, being part of wrestling is fun. It sort of makes sense, I would say. Yes, and uh, just have one bit of news, and this involves Chikara. Uh-oh. They announced two matches uh, when they return in uh, North Carolina and uh, West Virginia area uh, for the Thunderball show, which will take place in North Carolina. Uh, one match they have confirmed for that show. Uh, at your namesake, Ashley Remington will be taking on Juan Francisco de Coronado. Yes. And... At the Moonraker show, will be taking place in West Virginia. Yeah, big match here. For the Grand Championship, Icarus will be defending against the current number one contender and has three points, the leader of the flood, Jimmy Jacobs. Who obviously doesn't have Eddie Kingston in tow anymore. Which could cost them the match. Could. Probably. <laughs> but it is interesting that Jacobs uh, has three points and he'll be taking on Nicholas. So it should be a very interesting match. So uh, we get two results. And the first one is one that I'll have to give the info for to uh, Sandro because it's not up on the page as of recording. Because this past Sunday... While I was recovering from on the train getting back from London, turns out in a little place called Norwich, Bellatrix 10 was happening. Um, and I'm mentioning it because it actually wasn't just a, well, I don't really say pay per view, but it wasn't just a big event. It was also a TV taping because uh, the Bellatrix 10 show, as well as the show apparently from the previous night, which was WAW's Epic Encounters, were both recorded for television over here in the UK. Sadly, it's on the channel that I don't get because it's on Sky, but... uh, yeah, if you if you are interested and you are a British wrestling fan, uh, WAW's Epic Encounters will be on air weekly on my channel, which is Sky Channel Two. It's not my channel; it's the name of the thing. It's like my TV in America. This <laughs> is not actually my channel. It's, that's the name of the thing. Anyway, it's on Sky Channel Two O Three uh, from Saturday, October the fourth. So this Saturday at 8pm UK time. <clears throat> but if you are just wanting to see the Bellatrix stuff, it will be on uh, the same channel starting from Saturday the 1st of November at 9pm. But on the show, uh, we had Erin Angel beating Lady Laurie with a top, cross, top rope crossbody. Amy Lee Kramer beating Shax of a Mishinoku driver. Penelope defeated Violet O'Hara to win the Bellatrix British title. 
Uh, Penelope getting the first fall in the second round with a neckbreaker. Violet getting the second fall in round four with a SIA DDT. Or as I should say, DDT. And then Penelope got the third and final fall uh, with a super kick in round six. There is a reason why that match was there. Because it's TV tapings, they've actually split it into three blocks. Hence why the scheduling's a bit off. So then for, I guess, taping two, you have uh, Chanel beating Soraya Knight with a standing moonsault after Sammy Baines hit uh, Soraya with a kendo stick behind the referee's back with Chanel being unaware of the interference. Then you have the Bellatrix World title, which saw Liberty retain, beating Alison Kay with a cutter. Uh, afterwards, the co-owner, Axel Lynch, came out and demanded that uh, the uh, MC for the night, Zack Knight, apologize for punching him in the face at Bellatrix 7, or he wouldn't allow the youth club match to take place. Wait, what? I guess this makes sense in terms of the storyline, possibly. Uh, despite protestations by Soraya, Zack said sorry. Uh, we then had Karama and Leia Elise beat Holly Berridge and Elsie. With uh, Elise pinning Elsie with a double powerbomb. Does help if you don't have people with two very similar names. Because Elsie and Elise <laughs> switch the S and the I round the same person. Unless that's the whole gimmick. I don't know. Uh, Scarlet made Miss Mina tap out to the Scarlet's web. However, Mina was distracted by Penelope during the match and was laid out after the contest with a belt shot to the head. So it looks like we might have a challenger there for the belt. And then in the Builder's Cage match, which did look very much, the cage looked very WXW-esque, shall we say. In terms of it was just sort of metal fencing, really, rather than a proper cage. Uh, Sammy Baines retained, pinning uh, Blue Nikita with a top rope powerbomb for a table. Afterwards, Soraya Knight came out to attack Sammy Baines, but the pair had to be pulled apart with Soraya saying this was only the beginning. Uh, so, yeah, that is going to be three works of. Sorry, three weeks of TV tapings here in the UK. It's just a shame that I can't see it on pay-per-view like I did back for Bellatrix. I think it was Bellatrix 7. I missed that. I missed that. Mainly because it was a pay-per-view that was on at a relatively reasonable time of the day for me. Not too early, not too late. And I don't have Sky, so it sort of is pretty crappy. But I'm pleased to see... But it is at least getting some sort of TV coverage. Sandra has no thoughts. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I'm just looking for other results for a show that I completely forgot to mention on last week's show. And I can't find it. Oh. Yeah. Well, while you do that, let's go through Lucha Underground stuff. Um. So, yeah, the... Lucha Underground tapings from this past weekend. Saturday, we had uh, Phoenix beat Mariachi Loco. 
possibly in a dark match. I don't know. Uh, Pimpinella Escalata beat Pentagon Junior. Pentagon issued an open challenge, apparently, specifically saying he wasn't afraid of anyone, male or female, which obviously meant Pimpinella came out. Uh, then we had Masquerita Sagrada beat the Son of Havoc. Ivelisse uh, was uh, accompanying the Son of Havoc and took a tope from Masquerita. Mil Muertes beat Drago, or Drago, I guess. Uh, a mystery uh, luchador, who may have been Phantasma, was watching the match from the hiding spot on the second floor and attacked uh, Drago after the match. And Katrina was with uh, Mil Muertes. Sexy Star and Chavo Guerrero Jr.'s match went to a no contest because Pentagon Jr. got involved and then Phoenix made the save and he and Sexy Star cleared house. And then, possibly in a street fight by the looks of the notes, uh, Big Rick beat Prince Puma when... Uh, Rick's friends Cisco and Cortez Castro got involved. Um, Castro came up uh, bleeding after a Puma dive onto everyone. And then eventually the numbers as well as a ladder caught up to Puma. Uh, Johnny Mundo tried to jump off the second floor to make the save but eventually hit Puma by mistake. And the Rudos beat them up and um, Rick chokeslammed Puma for a table. Apparently, this will be airing on the 19th of November. Um, and they've also announced officially that the tapings this coming Saturday and in two Saturdays' time on the 18th of October will be four-hour tapings or the equivalent of two episodes. Uh, the tapings for the 25th and 26th of October are not on the upcoming schedule, so it's unclear whether they've been replaced by the double taping or if they're just not looking to publicize them so far in advance. But either way, the new start date means that all the first bunch of episodes will have been taped before any of them have aired. Which I, I guess that's a good thing, I don't know. Uh, then with Sunday, uh, probably in the dark match, we had a trios match with... Aaron Aguera, or sorry, Aaron Aguilera, Chaos and SoCal Crazy, beating B-Boy Cisco and Cortez Castro. Um, apparently, Chaos and Aaron Aguilera were called the Mexican-Americans. Oh, my word. Gets brilliant, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, Mariachi Loco beat uh, La Flecha. Apparently, La Fletcher was the local talent, La Fletcher Fugas Tito Escondido. That, again, was a dark match. And then with the main card, um, Pimpinella Escalata beat the Son of Havoc, again. Mil Muertes beat Famous B. King Cueno beat uh, Drago. And then Phoenix and Sexy Star beat Chavo and Pentagon Jr., and that'll be airing on Thanksgiving, apparently. Wow. Uh, I don't want to, I guess, ruin this uh, the segment, but uh, 
No, <laughs> I want it, to... it's Lucha Underground. Ruin it. No, I want <laughs> I want to sidetrack for a bit because it, it has nothing to do with wrestling, but it has to do with uh, real news, real life news. Um, I don't know if you heard, but uh, they had some guy uh, in the hospital in Texas because he was confirmed with Ebola. Well, apparently the hospital released a patient by mistake. <laughs> and it's all over the news. Oh my I don't I don't mean to laugh everybody, but oh my god. How the fuck can you do that? Oh my god. <laughs> wow, I'm watching CNN right now and it's wow. <laughs> and I'll leave uh put it on my channel because I'm reading it on Twitter. So um so young retweeted uh a picture of the of CNN putting this. I'm like <laughs> while while you were looking for this match that we forgot about or this card. I tried to look for it, I can't find it. It was uh Oldie Wrestling had a show last Sunday and nobody has the results. Well I guess it's supposed to be like a speakeasy, you're only supposed to know if you attended, so I guess so. I might, I might see if anything got sent through in the uh, email bag when we go to break, because um, we aren't going to get through all these results uh, now. So, um, oh, the jokes right now. Um, let's bring it back serious, <laughs> somehow. Uh, Ring of Honor's reloaded TV tapings from Wheeling, West Virginia. Yes. Uh, so on the dark match, uh, we had QT Marshall beating Chris LaRusso. No relation to Vince. I hope not. <laughs> so episode one starts with Jay Briscoe coming out and says that he broke the Unbreakable, but he wants his old title back and that the kingdom will crumble. Adam Colvin shows up and says he's going to make Jay's life a living hell as long as he's in the company. And Cole is going to bring the main belt back to the kingdom. Then uh, Moose and R.D. Evans beat the last warrior, Grey Wolf, and the Red Scorpion, Mark Hazel who are apparently part of Prince and Anna's stable, which, of course, means the streak continues. At 154-0. I love it. And then the Honor Rumble, uh, featuring a whole load of people, the final four being Mark Briscoe, Cheeseburger, Adam Cole, and Mike Bennett. Uh, it was Bennett that won, so he will get a total shot on the future episode. Then Chompa came out and argued with Nigel McGuinness. Episode 2 saw Hanson beat the Romantic Touch. They then teased some issues within the kingdom with Cole saying Bennett winning wasn't in the plan, but they shook hands and Cole said Bennett would give Jay the beating of a lifetime. Adam Page versus Darius Thomas was declared a no contest. Basically, Thomas was going to attack the decade, but Page begged to be hit instead. Thomas then hit Jacobs with a chair and walked out. Brilliant. <laughs> Adam Cole then beat Cedric Alexander with the Trist of Fate to close episode two. Episode three, for the first time in Ring of Honor TV history, all three titles going to be online on the same show. Uh, the tag titles were defended successfully by Red Dragon as they beat the decade of Jimmy Jacobs and Roderick Strong. Jay Lethal retained the TV title with a successful defense against Will Ferreira via a lethal injection. And then with the world title, 
Jay Briscoe successfully retained as well against Michael Bennett. Basically, uh, yeah, the it doesn't say how Jay won, but all it says at the end is that Bennett attempted a twist of fate. Maria then was saved um, by Adam Cole from a Jay driller. Mark Briscoe came out, and then Matt Taven came out in a suit and nailed Mark with the the title of love, as they called it, I think. Yep. The remodeled title. And Taven is now part of the kingdom. So, yeah, Matt literally is coming back. Yeah, so... uh... Not the one that everybody thought. (laughs) Yeah, so our our friend Jason Amico was right. (laughs) It was Matt Taven. Damn it, Jason. <laughs> it was right on along. <laughs> Where are the lottery numbers? I need them. <laughs> That's very surprising, to be honest. Um, I really wasn't expecting him to return, but, uh, you know, he's back. So that's uh, surprising to see. And it's uh, going to be very interesting how he does this time, not only as a as the heel, but also being a part of the kingdom. So it should be very, yes. very interesting to see. Um. Then the final episode tape, Mark Briscoe beat Caprice Coleman. Uh, McGuinness then called out Tommaso Ciampa to reinstate him, but also warned him of the zero tolerance policy against attacking officials. Ciampa basically wanted a title shot, and Briscoe came down to the ring. Jay Briscoe and Ciampa have it out for a little bit until the kingdom attacks. Briscoe, Mark, Briscoe's brother Mark also comes to try and make the save. It gets laid out too. So in essence, I think we've got a six-man tag set at some point. <laughs> well, so yeah, that'll be. I'm trying to think. Briscoes and Chomper versus uh, Taven, Bennett, and Cole. I approve. <laughs> well, not to be uh, just related to Ring of Honor. I know. Uh, it was announced actually about an hour ago for the uh, Champions versus All-Star show in uh, Kalamazoo, Michigan. Next weekend. They already announced the the big eight-man match. So, of course, Champions versus the All-Stars. Of course, the Champions, uh, Jay Briscoe, Jay Lethal, TV Champion, and Tag Champs, Red Dragon, against this very random team of ACH, Mark Briscoe, Roderick Strong and Adam Cole. Okay. <clears throat> and of course, Mark Briscoe teaming with Adam Cole. And of course, they already released the promo, and Mark is not really happy. He was so speechless, he left the the room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Mark's like that half the time. That's the problem. <laughs> well, I guess the good thing about it was that Adam Cole wasn't in the promo. It was just Mark, ACH, and Roddy. Um, finally, to end episode four, uh, BJ Whitmore, Adam Page beat the brutal, beat the brutal burgers. It's a lot of bees. Damn it! And uh, AJ Styles beat Matt Sydal with a Styles Clash. Here comes Sandro saying, what a surprise. <laughs> no, that's not a surprise for me. 
Right. Um, actually, if I quickly run through this, uh, we might be able to get out of the way. So rest at West End Wrestling, if I can say it properly. Uh, their opening show, Burning Down the House. Uh, apparently, Carolina Jim was the ring announcer. Brett Lauderdale was the sole ref for all the matches. Uh, the commentary team was Rob Naylor and Leonard F. Shikarison. And the show was filmed by Smart Mark Video. So cool. there might be some sort of VOD, DVD, MP4 version soon. But before the match... Before the matches started, they did have a 10-bell salute for uh, Eric, the actor Lynch, off the Howard Stern show and various other things. So first match saw Andy Harner win the four-way elimination against Aaron Arbo, Andy Hedder, and Bruce Maxwell. Hedder eliminated first, uh, then Bruce Maxwell, and finally Aaron Arbo. Uh, apparently it was a really fun opener with lots of high-flying and that Harner was especially impressive and got the crowd into the match. Next, we had a segment where Danny Havoc came out <clears throat> and said that after a match that he had in Japan recently, his ankle's broken in two places so he can't wrestle. Kingston then comes out on a crutch of his own, mocking the injury. So after some more words are exchanged, Eddie backfists Danny, which leads to Devon Moore coming out for the save. So instead it's Devon Moore versus Eddie Kingston. Hmm. Second match of the night saw Hallowicked beat Oleg the Usurper after a powerbomb. However, afterwards, uh, Yaka and Oleg double-teamed Hallowicked until Dasha Hatfield made the save, which directly led us into the next match, <clears throat> which saw Dasha Hatfield get the win over Yaka after Yaka missed a big splash off the top rope and basically pinned... Yaka after it. Annie Social beats Amber Rodriguez with Nyla Destroyer with uh, a split-legged stunner. Uh, Nyla apparently interfered multiple times during the match until the baseball slide tossed her away from the ring. Chris Dickinson, uh, victorious in what's said to be a fun back-and-forth match with Silverant with Dickinson playing a funny heel, constantly jabbing with the crowd. Icarus beat the Bad Apple of Matt McIntosh via a Blu-ray into the corner. Akuma was victorious over Lucky 13 after driving his knees into 13's face. Then uh, we had Eddie Kingston pinning Devon Moore after a sliding D into the back of uh, Moore's head. And the main event for the AEW belt saw Tim Dont successfully retain against Matt Tremont. At the request of Dont, however, it was turned into a hardcore match. We had chairs, we had kendo sticks, we had handcuffs, we had barbed wire bat, and of course, buckets of Lego. Uh, the match ended after Dont used the barbed wire bat while in handcuffs to choke out Matt Tremont. And afterwards, both of them put over each other as tough opponents. So a good little show there. Um, impressive debut, I'd say, for West End Wrestling. So uh, good job. CCW, uh, Deja Vu, from this past Saturday. You can still get it on a delayed iPay-Per-View, I think, at the minute. Well, it's going to be VOD more than iPay-Per-View, isn't it? 
Yeah, I believe it just got released. So the Preacher beat Mason Price. Alex Colon defeated the Latin Dragon. Joe Gacy defeated Aaron Williams. Sozio, accompanied by Biff Busick, beat the Obsession, Caleb Conley. In a WSU showcase, Nevea beat Kimberly. In the four corners of Ultraviolence, Ruthless Mom Mathis was successful over the wrench, Connor Clacton. <clears throat> the match between DJ Hyde and I can't remember who never happened. As uh, he was jumped from the crowd by Lufisto, they did brawl in and out in the arena until Lufisto produced a knife. <laughs> sending DJ running the fuck away. It's the, it's the Switchblade conspiracy incident all over again. Yeah. Except nobody got stabbed. Uh, the Wired TV title was successfully retained by Shane Swerve Strickland against Flip Kendrick. Damn, that was a big good match. Um, Biff Busick successfully retained the heavyweight title against Drew Gulak. However, afterwards, Biff did shake the hand of Gulak, which apparently uh, Sozio was not very impressed with. And then the main event. Holy shit. It's happened. Uh, the Juicy Products are no longer CW Tag Champs. Uh, OI4K, the Chris Brothers, are your new champs. However, there was respect shown between both teams at the end. So it looks like they're actually both faces for a change. And speaking of t losing titles... Oh no. <laughs> this is not the only tag titles that they lost. Apparently, they were stripped from the NYWC tag team titles. Not not really sure why, but that's what uh they've started mentioned on Twitter this past week. So they lost two titles and now currently they have two titles. WSU and the FIP tag titles. Yeah. <clears throat> but the big show of the week, Beyond Wrestling, that didn't happen. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah. Um, we go to NBC for this. <laughs> Uh, apparently on Sunday, the Providence Board of Licenses suspended the operation of fake music after a shooting outside the club early on Sunday morning. Apparently, according to a police report obtained by NBC, a 911 call was made shortly after one in the clock in the morning for a disturbance. The owner told police that there had been a fight and all the subjects had left. A bouncer asked responding officers if they were if if they were there about a shooting and went on to describe the shooting as a full auto about thirteen shots. At the same time, police officers were called to the Rhode Island Hospital, uh, responding to a shooting victim who had been dropped off at the emergency room. The victim was shot in the left side of his back, and injuries sustained were non-life-threatening. Thankfully, uh, the victim, however, told police he was leaving the club when an un unknown subject began firing at his car. 
Police believe an altercation uh, began inside the club and witnesses later saw a fight outside as the victim and a friend drove away when the shooting occurred. The police haven't yet named suspects in the incident and continue to investigate. However, because of that, fake music's license was suspended until this past Wednesday when the Board of Licenses would next meet, which therefore meant that the Beyond Wrestling show couldn't happen because they didn't have a venue. Um, which is a shame, but you know, Beyond said that obviously refunds will be available at the points of purchase wherever you made your purchase. But if people were in the local area and were coming anyway, they were doing a meet and greet in the parking lot and giving away free food. Mm-hmm. So I guess there was a good little makeup there for something that was obviously out of their control. Yeah, so some idiot had to go shoot up a club uh, outside of Fett and ruin it for everybody. Yeah, it's really bad for the whole situation for Beyond, for something that was really beyond their control and was really their fault. It was the fault of some idiot. And now they're uh, scrambling around to look for new venues. Um I know some people were suggesting to do shows in New York. And one, one person was suggesting even doing a, a doubleheader with uh, Evolve and the, at the Lyceum. But the problem is, and he mentioned this on Twitter, uh, Drew Cordero said that the, uh, the State Athletic Commission here in New York charge more uh, to run wrestling shows. So that's sadly New York is out of the question. Um, I think I I remember somebody suggesting places in in the Boston area, uh, New England area. Uh, uh, I think today, as a recording on Wednesday, uh, Drew Cadero mentioned something that he's he's found a place and he's gonna try to make a deal with this new venue, but uh, we haven't heard anything. And uh, time will tell when they will have another show. Uh, they had to cancel an upcoming show, uh, Barely Legal. That's beer, Barely Legal, which was... Uh, <laughs> I think they were going to do like uh, new samples for beer in that, during that show. That was, a, yeah. that was the whole point of it. So they had to cancel that show because I think that show was also supposed to be at Fat Music. And they're not really sure when they're going to have a new sh- uh, another show. Excuse me. Until they find a permanent location. And obviously they can't use the venue that they've been using for the secret shows because that's too small. So that's not going to work. So Drew is working very hard to find a new venue for Beyond Wrestling. But it's, uh, it's it sucks for the promotion and everybody involved. But uh, I hope they find a new place. Yeah, definitely. Hope that it all gets sorted very soon and... Um... We can see some cool Beyond Wrestling stuff soon again from them. Right, so with that, that's all your news and results on this past week. When we come back for part two, uh, it's time to talk a little AIW. And a show from a couple of months back we'll be talking about um, with a whole load of crazy stuff going on. Especially uh, Cussing Out Jesus. Find out why, and a whole lot more, after this break. 
Wrestling shoot DVDs, wrestling action figures, wrestling memorabilia? Well, I'm pleased to announce that the SNS Radio Network is now officially an affiliate of HighSpots.com. So when you go to the SNS Radio Network site, click on the HighSpots banner on the main page, and it takes you directly to HighSpots. Now, I'm not saying you need to buy something from HighSpots.com, but if you do, you're helping to support the SNS Radio Network by going through HighSpots on the link on the SNS Radio Network page. And every purchase gives a kickback to the SNS Radio Network, helping us keep all the programming here free for you. and every midweek with Chuck W. And each weekend with William Walkie Walker and Mindwipe. Exclusively on the SNS Radio Network and the Chris Jones Gaming Network. Yeah. This is going to be fun. Everybody, this is the Bronx Father to tell you about the Get in the Zone podcast every weekend right here on the SNS Radio Network with myself, my co-host Anthony Farley, and bringing you the TNA recap. No, God, please, no, no. L Train. We also cover SmackDown, some news, and you might even get moments like this. Oh, my brother! Testify! Wow. Oh, Lord. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow, that, that, was, that wasn't half bad. <laughs> what the f***? <laughs> to quote... See, since I'm imitating... Since I'm imitating Devon tonight, I might as well run the gamut of black wrestlers and go with Booker T. Tell me I did not just... Hear that. It's one of those things to edit. (laughs) (laughs) To edit or not to edit? That is the question. (laughs) For the reaction, you cannot edit this one. Oh, shit. Anthony's dead. He's just done. (laughs) Oh, we might as well just end the show right now. (laughs) So... 
Check out the archive every single weekend and drop us an email anytime. SNS get in the zone at gmail.com. Right here on the SNS Radio Network. Hey guys, it's me, Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson. Just a reminder for you to listen to Sunday Night Showdown every pay-per-view Sunday as I'll be joined by my broadcast partner, the Bronx father, Tony J. Mirabella, Harmony Boom Boom Jackson, and Mark the Shark DiCarlo as we provide the best pay-per-view coverage of the WWE. And it starts at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific Time, Every pay-per-view Sunday, Sunday Night Showdown, your home for WWE pay-per-view coverage. and Sandro. Um, those of you who know your muse will know what album that track's from. and Therefore, you'll know what sort of music we might be playing at the end of this segment as well. Because it's time for AIW's biggest show of the year, arguably, <clears throat> Absolution. Uh, this time in the ninth variation. And uh, as ever... We start with promos, although this time it was, I'd say, about 20 minutes, wasn't it, Sandra? Yeah, give or take. And bookmarked by... Bookmarked by two excellent promos from the two guys in one of the biggest feuds of the night, Matt Cross and Josh Prohibition. They did some really good, passionate promos. No, Cross's sort of retort to Prohibitions was very good, and Prohibitions saying that he's going old school was very, was very nice. Um, you obviously also had um, Sabin, um, ACH, and who was else was with him? It was ACH. Uh, ACH, uh, Flip Kendrick, and Brett Banks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then we had Eddie Kingston. <clears throat> Lewis Linden, the Iron Curtain leading some prayer with Gregory Iron looking on. Uh, Silesia, Cheech, and Dela- Colin Delaney, Johnny Gagano, the Forgotten of um, BJ and Jimmy, 
Bobby Beverly, uh, Kevin Steen that was... Even Kevin Steen in the promo hit basically throw through rubbish at ACH. <laughs> what is that about? Um, also had Eric Ryan and Ricky Shane Page. Uh, Donst was very good. Um, the Jolly Will Fuckets, Davey Vega, Ethan Page, The Duke, and as I say, Prohibition. But some good promos there, I will say. Uh, but after all that, we actually got into matches, and the first match up, Kevin Steen versus Chris Saban. What is this about AIW giving us a damn awesome match to open with? I'm not... I, I guess I am complaining, but I'm certainly not complaining at the same time, because, wow, this is just sort of epic. Um, you know, we had streamers and what's the name of the announcer again? Angelo, is it? No, Pedro de Luca. Pedro, that's it. Pedro didn't realize he was saying the wrong place. And Steen sort of called him out on it. Because did he say it was Manitoba, I think, wasn't it? No, he said something else. Some other province. Whatever it is, he didn't say Quebec. No. And he got called out on that. And then, and then when he got it right, Steen just went, yeah. <laughs> and it did It did have a very light-hearted start, apart from the one guy in the crowd. One guy clearly does not like Detroit. <clears throat> or Michigan in any way, shape, or form. Because he kept yelling, fuck the Tigers, and stuff like that. Which then prompted Steen to get a sports chant going. Sports, sports, sports. And then started yelling Dan Marino at him. And then this guy that kept hurling abuse... At Saban, because he was from, you know, Motor City. <laughs> but he, Steen, went out to the crowd, found him, and hugged him. What the hell? Oh, was that why he hugged him? It was him that was hurling the abuse. Okay. I, I thought it was for a different reason. I, it was him hurling the abuse, I think. I was going to mention it, but now that you clarified it, I was like, okay, I'm not going to make the joke. <laughs> It was. It, I think it was him hurling the abuse because he hurled the abuse again when they got in the corner, and Sabin gave him the middle finger, and then Steen bit it. <laughs> I think. I think it was him that was basically hurling the Detroit hate, <clears throat> and that's why he hugged him. It's just. And then, of course, we had Steen's new move. Which I think was a, was it a sidewalk DDT? Yeah, yeah, it was. And he was like, "Yo, come on, that's my new move." And then he, of course, you had three consecutive two count pins, and then Steen goes, "I was six. In essence, sort of channeling a little Colt Cabana, I would say, because 
although this was a great match to open with, it certainly wasn't like serious, Dean. It was very, very lighthearted, Dean. You know, right at the very start when you had like the collar and elbow tie ups and then Steen just like holding onto the ropes as if to say, Yeah, I'm here. Not in sort of any sort of straining way, it's just like, yeah, my hand is on the rope. Referee make the count. And then like three or four times when Sabin went for the sunset flip, Steen was like losing balance and then after one second he was just like Look <laughs> This isn't going to happen. There's some really good stuff. And um, a package pile driver did finish uh, Saban off. But a pretty good match, I will say, to open. Yeah, this was a really good way to start off the, the show. A really good match. Really good back and forth. The crowd was definitely into... Well, they were more into Steen than uh, Chris Saban, but there were a few Saban fans in there. Well, I think it's because they knew it was <clears throat> Steen's last appearance. Yeah. More than likely. Uh, really good back and forth. And, uh, of course, the ending came when uh, Steen hit the package power driver and he got the pinfall. I think that was like the second one because I think he did it the first <laughs> time and he kicked out, if I'm not mistaken. Which was definitely. Um... Which I think was a theme throughout the entire show. <laughs> so Steen got on the mic and said how he couldn't make a few of the other shows and whatever, which prompted uh, the Forgotten to attack him of uh, <clears throat> Jacobs and BJ. And then you know, Jacobs was saying, yeah, Steen isn't going anywhere. Steen can't even do the cardio to get to the WWE. Which, of course, was ironic because even at that time, we were, there were already rumors saying that the deal had been done. And, of course, the other irony is, when will Jimmy Jacobs get a shot at the WWE? He probably should, but... <clears throat> if somebody like Steen at his age can get a shot at the WWE... Jacobs has got a lot of a good chance. Oh, speaking of Jacobs, because you just reminded me, um, uh, uh, he was a guest uh, on the Law on Sunday, and he he went this. They asked him a question about how how wrestling should uh, evolve now in the upcoming years, and he kind of gave a really good answer. And it was gave a really gave he gave he answered a question like really like he thought about it, and he had like some. Basically, he was saying, like, you know, how veterans taught us that, you know, more is less. And he's like the opposite. If you give more, the crowd's going to enjoy more and it's going to be better for everybody. And he kind of went into it with more details on how it should be. And it was just great. Yeah, Jacobs should definitely be in uh, WWE. And uh, it's unfortunate that he's not because he, he could definitely talk on the mic. And it's, it's unfortunate. That age of the fall thing that's sort of hanging over his head, probably. Well, it, you know, not for now, but I mean, he was on national television for the short time that he was a part of uh, WSX, Wrestling Society. That's, yeah. Well, you know, unfortunately, it wasn't what he is now. He was like this happy go getting guy. <laughs> he was more trained. <laughs> a lot can happen in a decade. <laughs> 
Oh, that's ironic. Because that's his promotion in the other group. Um... <laughs> yeah, he just ride me. Uh, of course, during the promos, uh, BJ Wilmer was wearing a decade shirt. Yeah. Which I, I thought it was funny. <laughs> well, it's pretty much the same thing. It really is. <laughs> Except Roderick Strong somehow has become crimson. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, they attacked Steen and basically called out the fuckets. But the funny thing is, uh, I don't want to interrupt, but... Pardon the interruption, <laughs> you should say. The... The one thing him and, and Chrism has in common, Roderick Strong and Chrism, is that they can't really talk well on the mic. That's pretty much the only thing they have in common in each stable in AIW <laughs> Ring of Honor. Yeah, but Crimson hasn't been a world champion yet, has he? Uh, No. There you go. But it's not really... That's how they differ. But Roderick's uh, Ring of Honor title reign is not very memorable. Speaking of not very memorable, um, Forgotten versus the Jollyville Fuckets for the tag belts. Mm. I don't know what to think of this. <laughs> it was just there. I mean, it's good. It was a decent match, but the problem is this match went, what, seven minutes? Yeah. Pretty much. This didn't feel like the tag match that we deserved. It was under ten minutes, that's for sure. Yeah, this didn't feel like the tag match we deserved. What needed to happen is the match that never finished the month before at JLIT. And then the actual finish... You know, you combine the two and then you get a good you get a good match. But apparently, you know, that wasn't the plan. Instead you just have sort of a seven, eight minute I wouldn't say squash match. Because obviously you did get the pounce and the cannonball and everything. But when Tommy Mercer, aka Crimson, showed up, three on two I'd say it's a squash match. Yeah, I mean, this match was there. It wasn't as as good as their Jaylit match, you know. Granted, or as good as it could have been. Granted, it wasn't that match wasn't an actual match. It was just brawling throughout the entire match, and they kind of threw it out the window. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it could have been better. Um, uh, I don't know. It was because timing issues, or or maybe the the word they might go over over long because it was a very long show but for what it was it was all right i i enjoyed more the jaylet match but uh yeah it probably could have been better well, well let's get to better ethan page versus johnny gagano part two yes god damn they did it again <laughs> they did it again um this was absolutely brilliant match. It is probably as a contender for match of the year, in my opinion. Not just in AIW, but in all of indie wrestling. Because it impressed me that much. 
and it really goes to show you one how good Gagano is, and two how much better Ethan has become twelve months on from their first. Because don't get me wrong, they had an absolute clinic in the first match, but I would say this second match stepped it up a bit. It was just the, the last five to ten minutes when you sort of had the attempted diversion from Silesia and Lyndon and Ethan Page sort of turning face and the amount of stuff going on, it was brilliant. Also brilliant, though, was right at the very start with uh, somebody in the crowd shouting, fuck Jesus, and sort of Ethan laughed his ass off and basically went, I wouldn't even say that. Dear Lord. (laughs) Oh, just really fast-paced, a good mix of sort of power, sort of um, moves and technical stuff. It would be something that I wouldn't be surprised you see on a Monday Night Raw or um, even a WWE live event pay-per-view, whatever you want to call them. It was that good a quality of a match. Now, if you'd have put that with two WWE talents on mainstream, people would say it was an excellent match. So the fact that people were getting to see it on the indie stage was pretty damn awesome. Oh, and also that Super Tornado DDT. <laughs> I mean, I, I think I think Aaron Bauer's voice rose about two octaves when that happened. This was a really great match. Uh, really go back and forth. Carl was definitely into this. Um, I was actually a bit surprised. Yeah, before the match even started, he had Paige basically wanting no help from his uh his stablemates, uh, Silesia and uh, Lewis Linden. So I was very surprised to see him saying, "Go to the bag, I got this." But then you had them coming out uh, during the middle of the match, and uh, <clears throat> Paige wasn't happy about that. Uh, I thought that might have been an act, but uh, he was very serious, and he kind of he really showed it when he super kicked Lyndon right before he tried to hit Gargano with his belt. Lyndon got his fucking head kicked in, and this was definitely the babyface turn in a way, right there. Uh, and the rest of the match was really good, really solid. Um, definitely made. Uh, Ethan Page more likable as a as a babyface, as it would eventually happen later on, as we'll get to there later. Mm-hmm. But it was a really great match. I enjoyed it. A lot of uh, exchanging submissions during parts of the match, and uh, and of course uh, the finish came when uh, Page was was locked in the Gargano escape. Uh, but he did not respond. He was pretty much unconscious, and then the ref had to ring the bell. Well, the, the arm was raised twice, and then he brought it up and kept it there. And then Gigano started kneeing Paige in the face again. Yeah, he kneed him several times. 
and then the referee raised the arm, and then that was it. I'm pretty sure if the arm is raised and it stays hovering, that counts as a... That counts as a he's still alive. He hasn't passed out. So why he only raised the bar... Why he only raised the hand once and then called it? I'm not entirely sure. Oh, well. That was probably the only dodgy thing. Which is why the fans booed like crazy. Also, they might have booed because they wanted the match to go on for as long as Gagano versus Ricochet. And this is, might be a key factor. Gagano is in possibly two of the best matches of the year so far. I think that I think that says quite a bit. Anyway, next up, the six-way scramble with Silesia Sparks, Cheech, Flip Kendrick, Colin Delaney, Brent Banks, and ACH. The best bit during all of this was as they were introduced in turn we had sort of an ACH camera which was basically saying oh I don't like him uh, he's you know he's pretty good Silesia's got a dick <laughs> it was just what are you talking about ACH and then Blumen Brent Banks wanted to introduce himself as the the fresh prince of Cleveland was it I think yeah, it was that extent, and then... Uh, and of course, when that <laughs> happened, you instantly knew, with ACH being last. Oh. It was awesome. Something's going to happen. So, yep. The Carlton of independent wrestling, ACH, was introduced, and he did the Carlton dance, and literally Brent Banks just fell to the mat corpsing. Because even he was like, dear fucking God. <laughs> oh, my word. <laughs> just... And then one of the key moments in this match um, was Silesia. I think she did a swan. Didn't she do a swanton? Yeah, she did a flip to the outside. Yeah, to the outside, and then got back in the ring. And all the guys were like, nope. So they all sort of got in the ring and were basically telling... Basically telling her to do the traditional Adam Cole route, which is suck their dicks. So she got down on her knees, and it was like, whoa. And then, of course, the patented Ric Flair move. Low blow to the groins of all of them. Low blow to... I'm trying to think. It was... It was uh, Brett Banks. Uh, I think it was also... It was Brent and Flip. Brent and Flip and ACH. Then it was ACH. Then it was Cheech. And then Colin basically stopped her. And they had a little bit of a spot. And then... There was a bit when, I think, yeah, she got put in the turnbuckle and everybody hit a running move into her. ACH ran in and gave her a kiss. Like, what? Oh. And then ACH, 
Oh, yeah, and that was the other spot as well. Silesia managed to do a double doomsday device. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. <laughs> that was literally properly. Holy shit. And then, of course, ACH getting the win when he... I'm trying to think. He, What's a four, I think he, he had a 450. Well, no, he punt kicks Elysia in the head. I think. Um, did his usual, you know, 75 foot jump from the top rope to the over the top rope to the outside onto the four guys outside, then got on the turnbuckle and hit the 450. Yeah. And you got the win. Got the win, so uh... and and of course I don't know if you noticed it, but after he he pinned uh, Silesia, he automatically kissed her on the on the lips quickly. <laughs> God damn it, ACH! After after that, thank God he didn't fight in Toronto with Jay Lethal. Otherwise, the ACH was going to be doing some crazy stuff. <laughs> but yeah, a good six-way. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, it was just a standard six-way match. A lot of stuff happened. And uh, it was fun to watch. You know? It had its moments. <clears throat> so then finally... <clears throat> For the first half, I would say. Um, Gregory Iron versus Vader Scott. Which started off as a brawl before the match even began. But then... You know, they, they did brawl for a bit. And there was one spot when Vader... Jumped off this staging. Into Iron and the Iron Curtain. But in essence, quite a lot of it was the Iron Curtain beating the crap out of... Vader. Then they left when Gregory Iron dismissed them. And then the bell rang. Then <clears throat> Vader eventually managed to get the upper hand. The curtain came out again, causing distractions. Putting in a steel chair, which Vader grabbed and accidentally hit the referee. Then um, she managed to take out Iron, pin him, but there was nobody to count. She then, I guess, was bleeding from the mouth or something, and she kissed Iron, and then put him in, I guess it was Last Chancery, wasn't it? Yeah, pretty much. The variant of Last Chancery, which there was a tapping... So everybody went, oh, wow, Vader won. And then the ref said, well, no, you hit the referee with a chair. So Iron wins by DQ, which obviously pissed off Vader. And she apologized to the fans for what happened, but then decried, decreed at Battle of the Sexes that uh, John Fauna better make sure he's got a cage available. Well, was it John or was it Matt or it was basically the bosses? I think she called out yeah. to basically say, "Bring a cage." Mm -hmm. This wasn't a bad match, but in essence, you didn't get the payoff until the cage match, which was the following month. 
the match was the match was all right. Uh, I was expecting more, but of course, it was just more of a build up for the cage match, obviously. Yeah. And I thought this was going to be the blow off, to be honest, because I thought we were going to see crazy stuff happening, but uh, they were saving it for the next show. Well, the feud had been going on for close to a year. Yeah, it's been building up several several months. Um, I just want to quickly mention one of the moments, and uh, it was when uh, Gregory Iron was going for a suicide dive, and Vader got out of the way, and he hit nothing but the, the railing. Yeah. Which is pretty bad. Um, yeah, the the blood part, I I honestly barely noticed it on Vader, but I, I think it was on uh, from Gregory Iron because I think it was bleeding a little bit from the mouth, <laughs> probably because of the it was a little. It was only a little small trickle, yeah. It wasn't anything major. Yeah, I barely noticed it to be honest. It wasn't, and it wasn't like the blood you were going to see the following month, <laughs> a battle of the sexes with the. With the the uh, red wedding, well, I don't think it was that much either. But you know, whatever. I just remember that white dress being red, and though it wasn't supposed to be a Game of Thrones reference. <clears throat> so um, next up, Tyson Dukes versus Bobby Beverly. Um, pretty good match, I will say. This was certainly more of a technical mat wrestling sort of MMA approach than the others. And um, I guess in somewhat of a surprise, Beverly getting the win with the, I'm trying to think, was it a crossface submission? Uh, the ending part? Yeah. No, it was the Koji clutch. That's it, yeah. But it's, I don't know, it was... It was a good match, but it seemed a little out of place, sort of halfway down the card. Hmm. Well, uh, I actually enjoyed the match. Uh, I enjoyed the, the technical aspect of it. I thought it was good. I thought Tyson looked great in the match. How long did this match have? Because that's what that, that was the. I wouldn't have mind seeing more of it. That's what. Uh, I wasn't. What... I wasn't keeping the t- uh, track of the time, but I would say. Around 10 minutes. Yeah. I'd have liked to have seen that go 15. 7, 10 minutes. Again, because of time because of time constraints. Yeah. It probably couldn't have. Yeah, but for what it was, it was good. You know? And that was partially one of the issues, I'd say, with the whole show. Because we'll get to it. Certainly the next one we'll get to. There were some time constraints with that. But certainly, as you know, we previously mentioned, the tag belts match probably could have gone... Um, longer, but then again, you've got ten matches on the card, which is pretty much filling up three and a half hours. So if you take into account the interval, that's at least four hours, and that long for a wrestling show, I'd say, is a bit pushing it. You know, I don't want to say cut a match, but. If this was if this was a nine match card, I think it'd be much more appealing, possibly. But then again, it is Absolution; it's your biggest night, so you're going to have a lot of matches, I guess. So, speaking of um, short matches, uh, the intense title: Lewis Linden defending against Davy Vega. I think this one only went 
less than 10 from what I remember. Mm. And I thought it went about 5-12. Felt a bit longer. It might have been. I sort of lost track of the time at this time because sleep was starting to try and get the better of me. Um, this was a pretty good match, I will say. Nice little back and forth stuff because obviously... Vega can do some athletic stuff. Lyndon can obviously do a lot more. And they sort of complemented each other well. And not to say anything against Lyndon, because, you know, he's had the belt for, I think it was about 10 months, wasn't it? Yeah, pretty much. He had it for, he had it for quite some time. I would say it's probably overdue that he dropped the belt. I would say give somebody else a chance to have that secondary title because Vega's been on the rise for quite a lot this 2014. And I think this is his first real major title off the top of my head. Yeah. I already so it's good to it's good to see him getting the shot, and obviously we've talked about some of his matches since, uh, still holding it to this day. So, uh, yeah, I'm pleased to see Vegas getting the recognition he's been long overdue. Uh, the match was the match was good, but I thought the the finish could have been a bit better, in my opinion. I, I probably would have preferred if Vega had pinned. Linden cleanly. Rather than rolling up from the dragon, dragon sleeper. sleeper yeah. yeah. I would have preferred that, but I thought the match was still good, regardless of the ending sequence. And uh, yeah, um, I was very glad to see Vega win the, the belt. Uh, he's had a, a really great year as a singles wrestler. And uh, yeah, I think it was probably about time for, for Linden to lose the belt. I thought he had a really good run. He has improved vastly as a singles wrestler. And uh, he's doing pretty good right now for what he's doing in AIW. Yeah. Certainly, I think he could be in the chances of stepping up to the the main sort of title picture instead. So, next up, um, Eddie Kingston versus Ricky Shane Page. Which, again, I, th- I felt this match could have gone a little bit longer than it did. Because as good as it was, I just felt we could have had more with it. You know, it was certainly a good match. Um, Kingston winning with uh, the back fist. But... I don't know. I'd have liked to have seen more from it because I can't remember. Did did Ryan get taken out or did he go back to the back? I can't remember. Anyway, um, in 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 reality, what happened? What 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 the interesting stuff that happened was afterwards with Kingston basically hurling abuse at. AIW and the fans and God knows who. And 
out comes Ethan Page to basically defend AIW, saying, you know, I've I've spent blood, sweat, and tears in this ring, and you have no right to uh, really uh, take take offense at anybody. So if you if you want to fight, let's fight. And then Eddie basically says, "Are you paying me to fight twice tonight?" And Duke's like, "No," as if to go, "I don't have the money, man. It's either one fight or nothing." So uh, we didn't get anything, but uh, that was the start of the seed, the seeds being planted for the issues between Eddie and the Duke and uh, Ethan. Or should I say all eager for legal reasons? <laughs> uh, again, I thought this match could have been better. Uh, this could have been a, a pretty good <clears throat> bean guy match, but um, it, was kinda, it was cut short. And uh, for what it was, it was all right. I thought the, the segment, segment after was... Uh, it was entertaining, to be honest, you know, hearing Eddie talking crap on the owners that were in the crowd and uh, the whole company and the fans in general. And then to have uh, Ethan Page uh, come out and, you know, defend the whole company. And uh, I thought that was good for him to come out. And he got a really great reaction from the crowd. And obviously they were building up to the next feud. So it was uh, should be very good to see. So, um, penultimate match, really, I'd say this is old school. Because it was Josh Prohibition in his black hockey mask versus M-Dog 20 Matt Cross. And I would specify it like that because I think it was certainly more M-Dog 20 than Matt Cross. Or Son of Havoc. Dear Lord, why did he agree to Lucha Underground? Anyway. They put on a pretty damn good match, I will say. Um, there was a whole nice little spot with quite a lot of drunken drivers aplenty, but I, re I put down here old school meets hardcore because you obviously did have some of the weapon spots and a bit close to the end when I think it was Cross got put through the the table at the side. Of the ring, which is always there for Pedro and all that to use. But yeah, it was Josh getting the whim with the drunken driver standing on the seated chairs. It's a pretty nice spot. And even nicer was Josh Prohibition saying, Take my match fee and put it at the bar, and everybody can have free beers for the rest of the night. Because there was like literally two or three people in the crowd going, what? Are you shitting me? <laughs> it's like, this doesn't happen. But, yeah. I, you know, I can't really say this is really like hardcore old school. But it was certainly as if you were watching a match between them, I'd say from a few years back, let's say. I wouldn't say back in their real younger days, because obviously... Back when you're younger, you can do a lot more physical stuff that you can't do at the age that they are now. But they put on a very good match. 
Uh, this was a great match. I really enjoyed it. Uh, you know, even though this match was building up within like uh, two to three months, uh, I thought it was done really well. I thought that uh, Matt's promo in the beginning of the show, his response was, uh, I thought it was good. The way he, he kind of like brushed off his, uh, what he said, what Joss has said, and a lot of people praising like it was the best promo of the whole year and everything. And he kind of brushed it off like, yeah, I don't care. Uh, yeah, but in return, Cross did one of the promos of the year as well. Yeah, I mean, it was. Yeah. And then in return, Prohibition retorted himself with a pretty damn good promo as well. The match itself was really good. I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, we saw um, Prohibition hitting like two drunken drivers right before he hit the third one. Uh, by the end of the match. Um, Cross, he hit like a shooting star press while Prohibition was let, was um, excuse me, laying on the chair and he still kicked out. <laughs> it's like, come on. <laughs> but they still went at it and it was so really on? <laughs> it was so really good despite that whole thing. And, uh, you know, I thought it was good to have Prohibition win the match. The crowd was definitely into this and, uh, it was a really good match. I really enjoyed it. So, the main event. The absolute title. Tim Dance takes on champion Michael Elgin. Now, this was a really good match. They gave this, I'd say, what, about 25 minutes, I think? Yeah, give or take. And it really let both guys shine and do their own stuff. You had Dance doing his sort of I don't know I I wouldn't say hardcore but certainly more indie influence stuff and then obviously Elgin with more of his power style stuff but I think we saw a couple of aerial spots from Elgin didn't we Uh, yeah it was a few not too many but certainly the finish with three consecutive backfists and then a sit-out powerbomb was not the finish I was sort of expecting. But then again, there were quite a lot of false finishes in that match. So, um, But my only criticism of this match would be I think the wrong guy won. Because if anything, to put Donst over, the best time would have been right here. And they sort of teased it at the end of the match when Elgin got the mic and basically said that Dance would be a champion sooner rather than later. That's ironic, of course. But, um, you know, just looking on it now, because obviously we'll probably talk about it when it happens down the line, but Dance is obviously now AIW champ. But the problem is he only won it because Elgin was out of the country for reasons beyond his control because of, you know, the border stuff and everything. So in essence, Dons really hasn't proved himself. He won the vacant title by beating Josh Alexander, but really hasn't proved himself against Elgin other than in this match that we had. And that, I just feel, is a little bit sort of 
I wouldn't say sore taste in the mouth, but I think it just taints it a little bit, the fact that he's now champion. He didn't get it off the guy that was the defending champion at the time. Uh, the match was good. Really good back and forth between the two. Uh, the fans were... Yeah, they were 50-50 between Dance and Elgin. But in the end, Elgin got the win when he uh, hit the the Elgin bomb. And, um, yeah, these two were kind of going out of it, bro. Pretty stiff. Uh, halfway through the match. Um, yeah, I said it back then, and I'll say it again. I probably would have preferred if Elgin, uh, excuse me, not Elgin, Dance had won the match and became absolute champion, but that wasn't the case. And then, after the match, Elgin gets on the mic and puts over Dance. As Dance is walking out, uh, music is uh, on over the, the PA system, and out comes Josh Alexander. For the first time in eight months in IW. Yes, after... Due to his injury and everything. Yeah, he was recovering from injury. Gets on a bike and says, you know, I've been out this whole time and you owe me a title match. And he said that he earned it, which uh, he he does have a point because at, at, that, at that time before he got hurt, uh, he was next in line for the absolute title. Yeah, they were due to have a two out of three falls match, weren't they? But never happened due to him getting injured. Mm-hmm. Obviously got forgotten about because then we then they transitioned to everything that was well. No, actually, at the time, the two out of three falls match was non-title, wasn't it? Yeah, because at the time, Ethan Page was well. Ethan Page, Eric Ryan, Colin Delaney, everybody, Steen, all all throughout the latter part of last year, they were all in the title pitcher and hunt and all that. So. In essence, it sort of put the kibosh to all that, but certainly they wanted to get they wanted to get at it. But uh, Matt Wadsworth came out and says, "Yeah, I can't authorize it tonight, but we'll have it somewhere down the line with no time limit. Uh, there has to be a definitive winner, which I think got changed to a time limit draw, didn't it? When it happened again." From what I vaguely remember. So basically, Alexander wanted a match right then and there. Elgin was like, no problem. So as they were about to wrestle, uh, Matt Wandsworth comes out, who's the president of AIW, and says, as, as much as I would like to see that match, I would rather see that match with both of you at 100%. Boo! So then uh, the crowd hates it. They want to see it now. So then he decides to make the date for the August show and makes it a two out of three falls for the absolute title. And then Elgin is uh, walking around the ring, looking under the ring, and then he says, do you have balls? Because I'm trying to look for them. <laughs> Basically, and saying when he wants to, to fight right now. And uh, I guess this is when they start to... Security. <laughs> uh, punch each other, having the fight, and then the, the staff comes in and separates them. 
Security. And then Elgin, he, he got a couple of shots in. And I think he I think he also hit some of the staff members as well while he was throwing those punches. But, yeah, that's how the, the show ends with uh, mayhem ensues with the two Canadians. So, in, a, in all in all, I think overall I would give this, I'd probably give it a B plus. At certain points, I think the matches were a bit lacking and weren't that great. But overall, it's a it's a very good show. You know, it's it's a shame it has to be dragged down. Even though it B plus is obviously pretty highly commended, it's a shame I can't put it any higher. But especially with two great matches in Prohibition and Cross and Page and Gagano happening, and Don Stelgin, I think that'd be. Um, my top three matches in terms of uh, match of the night. I'm going to give it a, a solid B. Uh, I thought the show could have been better. I thought certain matches could have been a bit longer, but probably through the time that can happen. As, uh, <clears throat> as far as match of the night for me, uh, I'm going to give it to Matt Cross and Josh Prohibition. I thought that was the best match of the night. I also give honorary mention to the main event, Elgin and Dunst, as well as Gargano and Ethan Page. Okay, so uh, with that, that's the review for Absolution. So when we come back, it will be time to talk a little previews for this week and um, some pretty big events happening including um, AIW, ironically, and also uh, a show which most of you will be able to see, in theory, which is pretty ridiculous considering the promotion that it is, because I'd have thought they'd have wanted all the money that they wanted. Find out who, what, when, where, and why, and all that after this break for the final part of this week's Holy Indie Show. guys it's me mr money on the mic jeff jackson and i want to take a moment to let you guys know that personally i appreciate the support that we've had here on the sns radio network over the years and i'm here to tell you about a new way that you can help us out and show your support for the sns radio network we now have a way for you to uh donate to the sns radio network if you go to the sns radio network.com main page scroll down there is now a donate button on the page Now, I'm not saying you have to donate to us, but your donation is very appreciated as we do a lot of hard work on the SNS Radio Network, spend a lot of our time and our own money to make sure that you guys have uh, entertaining podcasts and live shows on the SNS Radio Network. 
So to those who have donated so far, on behalf of the SNS Radio Network, we appreciate you and your continued support. And for those that will donate in the future, again, we thank you for your support of the SNS Radio Network. www.snsradionetwork.com providing you with free podcasts since 2010. If you trained, say your prayers, and ate your vitamins, then you'll love the Hulkamania Chronicles. Sean Beckerman, host of Beyond the Bell, your pro wrestling nostalgia podcast, breaks down the history and career of the legendary Hall of Famer, the immortal Hulk Hogan. Each edition covers a different era in the history of the Hulkster as we relive our childhood hero. From the beginning of Hulkamania in the mid-80s and the birth of WrestleMania through the challenging times of the steroid trial all the way to his jump to WCW and the formation of Hollywood Hogan and the New World Order and then his return to the WWF leading in to the Hall of Fame. This edition covers it all. You can catch the Hulkamania Chronicles exclusively on Beyond the Bell here on the SNS Radio Network. Brother. Unplugged. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Every month. On the SNS Radio Network. Check out the podcast that deals with conspiracy theories, mysteries, and the unknown. Check out Unplugged CT with Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson, and Bronxzilla. You have questions? We have answers. Keep an open mind because the truth is out there. The truth shall set you free. Hey there, listeners of the SNS Radio Network. My wife here. Now, as most of you listeners know, I happen to promote my own albums every now and again, and the latest one is now available. Yes, Dream Sphere. The musical journey that takes you through the realm of fantasy is now available at mindwipestudios.info. 14 tracks plus a couple of bonus tracks, all available for the neat little price of 10 bucks US. $10 US or pay. So check it out today. It's got some great tracks, including Witchwood, Dream Sphere, Flights of Dragons, and many, many more. 
Dreams Fair available at mywinestudios.info. fan of the SNS Radio Network? Want to keep up with what's going on with all the personalities and radio shows on the SNS Network? Well, let me tell you how. You can check out the Facebook group over at www.facebook.com slash groups slash SNS Radio Network. On Twitter, follow us at SNS Radio Network. You can follow me, Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson, at SNS underscore JJ sex a one. These are just a few ways to keep up with all the happenings going on on the SNS radio network. Welcome back to the final part of this week's whole indie show with Sandra and Ashley. And yeah, previews, previews are plenty. I wouldn't say galore, as there isn't a huge amount, but there's certainly plenty. So starting off uh, this Friday night, uh, we've got St. Louis Anarchy having uh, their Mayhem and Matrimony show uh, this Friday, October the 3rd from the Knights of Columbus Hall in Alton, Indiana. Uh, the doors open at 6.30 with a 7 p.m. bell time. Apparently there is $1 draft beer. Dear Lord, where's the my flight? Um, full bar and food will also be available. Well, it is a wedding, so... <clears throat> yeah, but a dollar for draft beer. Dear Lord, that's what, I'm, that's what I'm just saying. Can I buy a whole keg for 20 bucks? Uh, front row tickets are $20 at the door. Second row and general admission, $15. Um, obviously, for St. Louis Anarchy shows, um, you can obviously um, advance book them, and obviously then ticket prices are slightly cheaper. But obviously, it's the time you're hearing this, you won't be able to. Uh, but yeah, St. Louis Anarchy... Invites you out for a night of mayhem and matrimony. You will see out of control in your face action, as you will see at every uh, St. Louis Anarchy event. However, what makes this more special is you will see two people united in true love, as Miss Angelus Lane and Mr. Brandon Espinosa join together in marriage bliss. We strongly encourage fans to wear their best attire on this night, as Miss Lane is asked that this will be a formal event. This will also be the biggest event in uh, her life, not just because she'll be married, but she'll also be in the main event as she'll wrestle for the St. Louis Anarchy title in a two out of three falls match against champion Gary J. 
Wow. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> so, I'm a bit confused. Weddings normally go wrong in wrestling when they're keyfabe or whatever like this done in front of fans. So, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, so uh, <clears throat> on top of Gary J versus Angelus Lane, uh, we're also going to have the Ace of Anarchy, David Vega, apparently taking on Unbreakable Michael Elgin. <clears throat> we cannot confirm that. We'll see what happens. Um, Kyle O'Reilly will be taking on wrestling's littlest sumo, Jojo Bravo. That name confuses me. Well, he is little, so... Uh, ACH will be taking on the debuting Cedric Alexander. Where have I seen that match before? <clears throat> uh, the anarchist Eric Cannon will be taking on the debuting Trevor Lee. Zach Sawyer will be facing Christian Rose. It will be the hooligans of Devon and Mason Cutter taking on the Viking War Party of Jake Parnell and Alexander Rudolph. Uh... The big mustache on campus, Mickey McFlanagan makes his debut versus uh, Darren Corbin. And also, Dan Walsh versus Bolt Brady is set. Also set to be showing up, uh, Dorian Victor, Alec Castle, Brandon Espinosa, of course, because he's getting married. And also making their debut in St. Louis Anarchy, uh, Dangerous DeVero. And more, apparently. More people. You never get enough of more people or something so uh, this time at the Knights of Columbus Hall in LaSalle, Illinois on Saturday night uh, will be Dreamwave Wrestling with their No Escape show with a bell time of 7 um, some good matches here actually some rather confusing ones um so this is the... We've got the number one contender tag team tournament first round uh, set of matches going on. As If Looks Can Kill will be facing Team IOU and the Hooligans will be taking on Guns and Beer. In a six-person mixed tag, uh, Angelus Lane, Shane Hollister and Frank Wyatt will face Marche Roquette and the team of Helter Skelter. Araya Davari will be facing AR Fox. It'll be Buck Nasty Bucky Collins versus Ricardo Rodriguez. C. Uh, Matt Seidel will face Prince Mustafa Ali. There'll be a steel cage match between Christian Rose and Nick Brubaker. And then finally, the Fatal 4-Way Gold Rush title. With all the titles on the line. And it's going to be the Dreamwave champ, Matt Cage. The alternative champ, Lince Dorado. And the tag champs, Eric Cannon and Darren Corbin. Whoever pins who, gets the other's belt. <laughs> they get all the titles. Well, do they get all the titles, or do they just get the belt of the person that... Well, it says all titles are on the line, so... Yeah, but I'm wondering whether it's if you get pinned, you lose the title. Yeah. In which case, that obviously means... Well, I don't know, this is... If Cage beat Corbin, uh, 
the tag champs would then be Cage and Kana. I I really don't know. It's uh, it's kind of confusing, but I don't I, I don't think they're getting rid of the belts entirely in Dreamwave Wrestling. So no, I don't think they would. I I think I think I I think whoever loses loses their title. <clears throat> we'll see. It's uh, never seen this kind of concept before. But uh, it's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting. I will say it's a little bit confusing, definitely. So next up, uh, FWE. They're going to be having their first shows after what, at least six months? Uh, ten months, actually. The last ten the last wow. time they had a show was back in December of last year. Wow. So uh, yeah, the refueled weekend taking place at St. Patrick's Gym in Brooklyn, New York. Now, here's the uh, twist. Night one, this Friday, hopefully you've already listened to us by by hearing this, uh, this Friday night show isn't actually an iPay-per-view. It's a free pay-per-view, or a free per Yeah. Should I say it's on YouTube? Um, FWE's YouTube channel will apparently be airing it from 7.30 Eastern. And um, I will say there's a pretty impressive card here for the first night. I mean, we've got 10 matches. Ugh, it's going to be long. <laughs> so we've got Colt Cabana versus Robbie E versus Eric Young, which may get aired considering it's YouTube and it's being put out there for free. Because I would say that it's the possibility that that could be on. Because if you had the quintessential pro stuff available, um, because it was released for free on online, wasn't it? Wasn't it put up on YouTube? Uh, yeah. The very first, or certainly the the matches with the TNA talent mm-hmm. were, and the rest were put on DVD. So if it's put up for free, I don't think there's any profiting in it. So there's a possibility that that match could actually be on. Uh, but anyway, also on the card, we've got Alex Reynolds versus Orange Cassidy, Damian Darling versus uh, Jorge Santi, Vader Scott versus Triple H, a.k.a. Harney of the Howling Huntress, Johnny Gagano versus Chuck Taylor, Fist Collides, um, a four-way between Sam Shields, Bandido Jr., Wes Draven, and Chris Sabin. Uh, Tony Neeson Jigsaw taking on the Adrenaline Express, which is... Who's that again? I don't remember the names. <laughs> I can't remember. It's been eight, ten months. <laughs> uh, Candice and Joey, the world's cutest tag team, will be taking on um, Tommy Dreamer and Eva Lise. Uh, Carlito will face Drew Galloway. And then in a match which you can never be sick of seeing. The best of seven continues. Yes. <laughs> the addiction or negative influence. Uh, taking on the Young Bucks. Mm-hmm. And apparently they're giving that away for free. Yes, sir. What? Uh, and then night two. On Saturday, uh, Bell Time 8. It's unclear whether this... This is apparently... It is going to be an iPay-per-view, but it's not going to be free, this one. You're going to have to pay for it. 
I think. Oh, I gotta edit that out. My bad. <laughs> uh, but on this one, um, if you do go and see it, um, yeah, some good matches here as well, I would say. Uh, Johnny Gagano versus Colt Cabana. Wes Draven versus Joey Ryan. Uh, it will be Sanjay Dutt taking on Chris Sabin. Drew Galloway versus Tommy Dreamer. Maria Canellis will be defending the FWE women's belt, taking on Eva Lease. And then there'll be a TLC Fatal 4-Way for the FWE tag belts, as it will be Adrenaline Express defending against the Young Bucks, the Addiction, and Tony Neeson Jigsaw. Mm-hmm. Damn, some... That, I will say, is actually some good matches. Sometimes previously I've sort of gone, I wouldn't say that's entirely good, but there's some actual there's some actual good matches there, especially Gagano versus Taylor. That is one that I wouldn't mind seeing all the time. Um, yeah, I'm going to watch the, the Friday show online, of course. Hopefully it'll be running smoothly. Um... I'm gonna. Tr- I was thinking of going to the Saturday show, but I don't think I, I will make it in person. So I'm gonna try to catch it on iPay per view uh, Saturday night. Um, of course, I'll be doing coverage over it over on the Twitter, but I'll give the info. As long as long as the feed's stable, I think next week we might review uh, the three night night one. Yeah, on the Friday. Uh, as for night two, uh, those are the the matches that have been announced so far. I know they also announced a, a women's tag match. Um, but the problem is they announced that Veda Scott will be on this show. But the, mm. but the problem is she's going to be in Cleveland that same night. So that, that same day. Yeah. So there's no way that's going to happen. That's she ain't gonna make it from Cleveland to to Brooklyn. It's an it's an eight hour drive from there. Yeah, there's no way she'll make it. It ain't happening, people. So they're gonna have to put some other match. And the re- yeah, the reason why Vader's in Cleveland, probably the biggest show of the week, uh, mainly because it started again. Female fight season is underway again. And it's the last one. Okay, it sort of started this past week with Bellatrix, I would say. And it's the last one, sadly. Is it confirmed it's the last one, or...? Yeah. It's definitively the end, then. It's the end of Girls' Night Out. Damn it. Unfortunately. Um, Tickets, if you do want them for Saturday... Uh, $20 general admission for the, each of the shows. However, there is also a $40 VIP guaranteed front row combo pack. I'd have thought though those tickets might have gone by now, but you'd have to uh, see. No, the, they're still there, unfortunately. Yeah. And this is, this is the reason why it's the last Girls and Light Out. Because, I guess, people... People in Cleveland, let's just let's just uh Yeah, more people in Cleveland don't want to go. <clears throat> people in Cleveland don't seem to be interested anymore. Which is a shame. <sighs> so on this card, um 
We're going to have Angel Dust versus Chastity Taylor. So that's what she's been doing. <laughs> CWF Mid-Atlantic. She's been there training. Um, Annie Social will be taking on Thunder Kitty. Uh, Taylor Hendricks will face Sandra Bale. Jazim faces uh, Alexia Nicole. It, what Was it Alexia that stole the show on the last Girls' Night Out? Well, not, not Girls' Night Out. Battle of the Sexes and stuff like uh, that? Yeah, she also... So the show at the the old in taping, yeah, the same day. Uh, Jenny Rose will face Mary Elizabeth Monroe. It'll be Casey Cassidy versus Nikki Storm. Heidi Lovelace taking on Mia Yim. Mm. Uh, Tessa Blanchard taking on Vader Scott. And for the AEW Women's Title, the rematch: Athena takes on Allison Kay. Mm-hmm. Pinkies, well and truly up, people. And later that evening, after the 4 p.m. start for 13, it'll be the 7 p.m. for 14 at the end. At least it didn't end on the 13. No. It didn't end on a curse number. Uh, so, confirmed. Obviously, there's still quite a few matches to be confirmed for 14. <clears throat> but certainly, the four that we know so far are Taylor Hendricks taking on Mary Elizabeth Monroe, Chastity Taylor versus Tessa Blanchard, which considering the CWF thing, I think that could be a major storyline there, except it's going to be a storyline for one night only. Well, you said storyline. I'm glad you didn't say match because I can't really uh, say what Chastity is uh, capable of. Well, no, because I'd say say Tessa Blanchard was very mid-Atlantic. The Blanchard sort of style was mid-Atlantic. Tessa Blanchard has been doing quite a bit in CWF from what I've heard. And obviously Chastity Taylor was ring announcing there for a bit. Because all I remember is those videos from 12 months ago when she was just randomly in a bikini. And I was like, why why is this happening? That's sort of why I lost interest in CWF Mid-Atlantic, because it was just like, are you really trying to be WWE Divas with Chastity Taylor? It's done really work like that. Uh, Zandra Bale will be taking on Angel Dust. And what could be a main event anywhere? Mia Yim taking on Nikki Storm. That should be really good. I approve of that. Obviously, there'll be other matches announced, but... As I say, most of them will probably result from everything that's happening. And also, I did notice that, okay, there doesn't seem to be anything confirmed. So she could still be part of uh, FWE Night 2. But I noticed Candice LeRae isn't listed. No, she, she's going to be a, a Night 2 as well. She's going to be FWE, yeah. right. I'm just wondering. Because obviously, Cause she, Girls' Night Out isn't going to be missing Silesia. Because she was a, uh, she was supposed to be a part of the tag match for night two. Yeah, and of course, you know, Vader's not going to be there. So, Go, but yeah, Girls' Night Out is going to be missing Silesia as well. So, yeah. I'm wondering. If I'm trying. I'm trying to look at the. I'm trying to look at the list. Oh no, I was going to say. What about Kimber Dramatic Pause Lee? But 
Yeah, that this week is seeing um, the WXU Triangle. Yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah, but yeah, but um, one of the promoters is not wasn't too happy with with her, with Kimberly. Oh, that as well. <laughs> yeah, that's why they'll bring it up. But well, no, it was trying to be a segue, honestly. No, into. It was it was trying to be a segue into the WXW stuff because that okay. starts well it started yesterday over segue as, <laughs> as as of people listening. Um, well, no, it's because Kimber dramatic pause Lee is having quite a few crazy matches over the course of the uh, the weekend because it's what Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, isn't it? Yep, four, four consecutive nights. And then just crazily enough, on the Thursday night, the first night, they're having um, Strickland versus Swan and Drew Gulak versus Biff Busick. I don't I don't know why, but you know, I applaud it. And of course, the show on the Sunday sees uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi in action mm-hmm. as well. So a lot of big stuff happening. We'll put. We'll certainly have results from the WXW stuff next week. Because the problem is with this week, you're sort of falling into limbo in terms of between recording and broadcast. That's why I'm going to qu- give a quick mention, but we'll preview it properly next week. Next Thursday in is is Illinois, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, Marietta Park, Illinois. Yeah. Bourbon Street. Yeah, the uh, yeah Bourbon Street for Michael Bennett's bachelor party. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. All I know is that the poster is Maria's ass. So I, I approve it already. Yeah, pretty much. I need it as an 8 by 10 Damn it. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, we're going to have quite a bit to go through next week, certainly. And quite a few shows next week as well, I think, off the top of my head. Because obviously we've got um, Wrestling is Fun having night one of the Young Lions. Shine is next week as well. Shine is next week, which is going to be a big one. Because it's going to be the first one post um, Havoc making her disappearance. And then getting a TNA title despite not being under contract. What? Or has that happened yet? I'm trying to remember. Yes, it already happened. She already has the... I know they recorded it, but has it aired? Yes, it aired already. Okay. I get confused because she's facing Velvet Sky for no reason at Bound for Glory. But anyway, that is uh, all from us for this week. Make sure you check out all the other shows here on the network. You've got Unplugged Tuesdays at 9 with Bronx and Jeff. Sunday Night Showdown coming up in, I think it's three weeks for Hell in a Cell. I can't remember when it falls. All I know is at some point in mid to late October, so at least... Three weeks away, yeah. Uh, and then podcast-wise, you've got Unplugged CT, uh, Beyond the Bell, the Elite Force podcast, 
Uh, and I stick some flicks. Uh, get in the zone. Running the ropes should be making its return soon. And I think that's everything. Off the top of my head. I don't think anything else got added. <laughs> I think that's everything covered. So, uh, Sandra, how can people get in touch with us? Uh, you can find us on Facebook, uh, www.facebook.com slash The Whole Indie Show. You can like us there. You can follow us on the Twitter at TWIS underscore podcast. You can follow myself, Sandro, TWIS, S-A-N-D-R-O-T-W-I-S. You can follow Ashley over at Ash is my name UK. If you have any uh, questions, feedback, or if you went to an indie show or saw a show on uh, DVD or MP4, you want to share your feedback, just uh, send it to us on our email, uh, wholeindie at snsradionetwork.com. That's indie with a Y. You can find our shows on iTunes and Stitcher. Uh, just search for the whole indie show. Subscribe, uh, rate us, and leave us feedback as well. And you can find all the RSS feeds and the archives over at snsradionetwork.com. Uh, I will be doing the coverage for FWE's uh, shows, hopefully, uh, as long as the stream uh, for Friday show is working well, as well as the Saturday show. Uh, hopefully they work off perfectly, and uh, I'll be doing coverage over on our Twitter so follow us and you'll be up to date if you can't uh, make it to the show in person or can't watch the free show on Friday. Yes, definitely. And hopefully, as I, as I mentioned earlier, we will be reviewing at least the Friday show next week. Because I'd have thought, because it's huge. Well, I wouldn't say it would get archived because they might have it just as a live event and then pull the archive all together. But certainly, yeah, the aim will be to review that next week. You know, we'll keep you informed as to what's going on anyway. So, uh, Song of the Night, just because apparently this got mentioned for some reason quite a lot um, somewhere at the convention I was at. Uh, Coldplay's Viva La Vida. I don't know why it got mentioned. But I, possibly because one of the security guys looked like Jesus. And no, he didn't look like Ethan Page. So, with that being said, this was Ashley, that was Sandro, this was your weekly slice of indie goodness. Hopefully, we'll see you all next week. Have a good week, everybody. We're done.
I'm so wrong. 